All HD2 and on scorenorth.com. To talk about the MLS, it's the head coach of your hometown United. This is the Adrian Heath Show. Welcome to the Adrian Heath Show with host Jamie Watson. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Adrian Heath Show here on Score North. I'm your host, Jamie Watson. Hopefully this finds you well on a beautiful Monday, May 6th. We are here at the Score North headquarters, as always, joined in studio by the man himself, the the man whose name is on the show, the guy who heads the ship for your Minnesota United, Adrian Heath. Adrian, how are you tonight? I'm good. Good. Jonathan Harrison in the booth, as always. We appreciate you being here, Jonathan, and all the hard work you do to make this work. Adrian. One or two things have happened since we last chatted last week. Yep. It's the transfer window. It closes tomorrow, May 7th. One move that Minnesota United make this week, and we have to start there first and foremost because it goes down on Friday before the game. Friday, May 3rd, Minnesota United sends their then-captain Francisco Calvo to the Chicago Fire in a trade. Now off the back of two performances in which you had two shutouts. Mm-hmm. Both games that Francisco was not in the 18-4, one through suspension, the second through a coach's decision. Your team makes this trade to acquire a lot of allocation money, $400,000, potential for add-ons with performances, Mm -hmm. potential for sell-on fees as reported. Um, Let's just kind of get right into it. Your thoughts on the trade, how it came about, and, and I guess why it came about. Well, I think the the most important thing, as a, as we always say in, in instances like this, is that you know every decision that we make is purely for the best interest for the club and for the group. Um, you know, Francisco had made it very clear to us as, as a coaching staff that he saw himself primar- primar- primarily as a centre back. We felt a little bit different. We felt going forward he was going to be maybe a left back, or if we changed the shape to a five, that would be suit him better. Uh, and in the end, you know, we had an offer from Chicago. We thought about it long and hard, and we just felt that moving forward, this might be the right move for us. Now, obviously, players get disappointed when they get traded, etc. But as I said, this is nothing personal. You know, we thanked him for his services. He's been a, a very, very good captain in terms of being re- representative of the group. He's, um, he's a really model professional, been really good uh, coming in every day and getting on with his work. But as I say, this is more to do with what we felt was of benefit for us moving forward. So when these deals happen um, and they kind of come about, is it quickly? Is it over time? Is it something that had been kind of in the works or did it just kind of pop up really quickly and happen in a short period of time? Yeah, this come out the blue. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have a decision to make. Now, ideally, we might have waited till the next window. So we've got more time to prepare for what we're going to do next. But, you know, we've we've been preparing um, for what we're going to do for for a while now. We, we You know, we continually look at areas where you need to get stronger, where you need to have some more depth. So as much as, you know, we've got... Uh, and we just had three games against three three difficult teams... And conceded one goal, so that had an influence for us moving forward as well. So uh, you know, as I say, that you, you don't take it in isolation. You think about it long and hard. Look at the pros, looks at the cons, and in the end, we felt it was a, the right deal for us to do. 
and safe to assume that this deal doesn't happen if there's maybe something in the pipeline coming up? Yes, exactly. You know, we, we obviously this this window is going to be very difficult. We only got a day left, but uh, you know, we, we it's an area that we've we've been looking at and we will continue to look at. And if we feel as though there's something that we can be done, then we'll see what we can do. There had been these unsubstantiated reports that in the off season at some point there was some offer of uh, you know two million dollars mm. for Francisco Calvo. Was there any truth to that? I didn't. I didn't know if there was, and I'm, I'm sure there wasn't because I would have known if it was that type of sums of money. You know. Um, so at the end of the day, obviously, you know, Manny and Amos sit very closely to that sort of stuff. And they, uh, but I never got told that we'd been offered that type of money. I'm sure that we we would have looked at it very interestingly if we'd have been offered two million. Sure. Well, Twitter's a funny place. Sometimes those reports come out of nowhere, just as yeah. easy as uh, accounts get made at times. So <laughs> interesting to hear from the horse's mouth as we hear from Adrian Heath in regards to the trade that sent Francisco Calvo to the Chicago Fire. And interesting enough, turnabout comes rather quickly. Minnesota United faces Chicago Fire in their next matchup. We'll get more to that a bit later in the show, as yep. we always do, previewing the next opponent. But let's circle back to Saturday, May 4th. 7 o'clock kickoff at Allianz Field. Your team welcomed in the Seattle Sounders. Seattle Sounders, who were off to the third best start in their MLS history, sitting on 18 points as they came in. Um, they were able to welcome back in several key players to their team through yep. injury. You welcome them in. Difficult matchup, always playing against Seattle Sounders, a team that Minnesota United had yet to beat to date. Yeah. And, boy, for the first 25 minutes up until the goal from Michael Parra. Yeah. What no. do you, how, how, how pleased were you with that start? Well, it, for me, it was one of the most pleasing performances since I've been the coach here because everything that we'd worked on in midweek and uh, the week build-up to the game, you know, the three in midfield, getting in the right little pockets, getting in the right holes, Everything worked to treat, you know. We were moving the ball, changing the point of attack, switching play, getting him remain going down the right with Ethan Finley. You know, I thought there was some. I was really, really pleased with our football, and the, not only the the the, the, the a pleasing on the eye it was, but it was. Sometimes people talk about I mean possession just for the sake of possession, but it was progressive. We were moving forward, you know. We we're having efforts at goal. We were we were pulling them all over the field, really. But so when I look back at that that game, and I've watched it a couple of times, I was watching it for the second time today. You know, I was really really pleased with the way that we dictated the tempo and the possession of our play, and it was only right that we you know we went one nil up because I think it was at least what we deserved. Possession with a purpose, certainly, and I think the final number came out. It was something like 54% possession over the game. Outshot them, had more corners than, than Seattle. It's um, It wasn't until a free kick happens in the middle of the field. Um, Ike Opara gets on the end of a Jan Gregush set piece in the 26th minute. Yeah, it was a great ball in. A lot of pace on it. You know, one of them that's curling away from the keeper. He doesn't know whether they come, and then, you know... We, Ike's, Ike's a threat when you're as big as he is and you're as athletic as he is. If we can get the ball in the right service, you might, I think it was the game before he had two headers against, was it New York? Uh, against uh, DC. LA, DC, LA, LA at home, yeah. and DC, the one after that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's proving to be a threat from set It's hard pieces. to keep up with which one you're talking about because he does it so often. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was LA because he kept winning the corners yeah. and it was hitting guys in the side of the face who. 
didn't know it because yeah. it couldn't react. It was coming off so yeah, fast. Yeah, so that's that's proving to be a, a you know a, a potent weapon for us. And if we can keep continually getting the service in the right spots, then we're gonna we're gonna create opportunities. Yeah, the um, the service was was exceptional there. I thought it was just really important to note the guy he jumps over to win the header. Only six five, Chad Marshall, <laughs> three time, only three time yeah. defender of the year in MLS history. And but, he skies but, up and over him. And but you know what it's like. If the service is good, the pace of the ball's good, it's in the right area. You know, Chad's probably backing up. He's going backwards. Ike's coming onto the ball. You know, it's very difficult to defend when the ball's like that, that precise and with that much pace. Well, smart header too, though, to just guide it. Well, the most important thing was he let the ball hit him on the head rather than head it. He just guided, like you say, he's guided it. He's, he knows that with the pace that's on the ball, if I just get a good contact and get it in the right area, right direction, this is going to be a problem. Ike must have been pretty good at math. He got his angles all right on that one. And, you know, he takes a little bit of a knock for it, bloody nose and, and all, and gets right back in the game. And degree of difficulty is a little bit higher with that helmet on, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Plus the fact, <laughs> I, I think the other thing, you know, we shouldn't underestimate was, I think they've been to two of the last three finals, Seattle. Yeah. 16 and 17. So so we're talking about a proper team here. Won it in 16. You know, and like you said, Rui Diaz coming back. What did they pay for Rui Diaz? 10 million, was it something? So, you know, they, they are spending, they've spent big money on putting this group together. Nicholas Ladero, one of the best number 10s in the league now. Two-time World Cup veteran for Uruguay. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they they are, they were a really good team. And when I look back from, from over the last three or four weeks, Jamie, you go back to Toronto, LA, LA Galaxy. New York City, DC United, DC United. We played, we played three or four really good teams, and come out with it. I, not only with the points, I think at times we could have had more points on the board from the games. But if you look at the games, we've been we've been more than dominant in two or three of them games. Yeah, and still undefeated at home at Allianz Field yeah, now. We need to keep from, that going now. Yeah, from Adrian Heath talking about the matchup against the Seattle Sounders. So you get to the twenty-sixth minute. You're up one-zero. And unbiasedly, I think even a Seattle Sounder fan would admit, clearing away the better team in the yeah. first half until a moment of magic from Christian Roldan. Mm. His name was said once or twice around the lips of a lot of people in MLS and in the soccer world. Should he have had his red card rescinded? Should he not have? I won't necessarily ask you that question because uh, we don't. Well, uh, you can. Pay, well, do you want me to? Because <laughs> I'll ask you. The precedent had been set hand to face. Yeah. I, and he gets see, the, he does hit hand to face against Atuesta the week before against LAFC, and then the red card rescinded from an independent panel. Well, they were they were surprised that it got rescinded. Seattle, yeah. Because you talked to him before the game it, about it. I've talked about it before and after the game. Okay, you know I'm, I'm we we've got a good relationship with our staff. You're talking about Brian Schmetzer, Garth yeah. Logaway, GM. You know, and Adrian uh, Hanauer from the uh, owner. He was there as well. Damian Roden, who's the fitness guy, and I've known him for twenty odd years from England. So we, we we had a good chat with him. Now, do I think that he should have got sent off in the first game? In the first instance, no, I don't. No, I think it's ridiculous that if you put your hand on somebody's face, that you can get sent off. But they are the rules. So what are they going to do now? Sometimes it is the rule, or sometimes it isn't the rule. It's going to be interesting to see because the precedent's been was set. It was set. That you knew and every referee before the season starts, you put your hand to the face of an opponent that you were going to get a red card. Well. Not every time, apparently. Well, what's going to be interesting to see now going forward, because I like to make this comparison back to last year when Sebastian Javinko was sent off in a game, and he was rushing to grab the ball out of the net. He's running back to try to get a quick kickoff. Somebody knocks the ball out of his hand, and 
very Italian of him, gives yeah. him a little a little little tap on the face, a little yeah. one on the cheek, like your like your mom used to do, yeah. like, hey, you know, like don't don't slurp yeah. your soup when you're, you know, eating it. Like give him one of those and he gets sent off and then mm-hmm. the suspension's upheld. So I can only imagine how Greg Vanny must have felt when he logged on to MLSsoccer.com and saw that. But we were surprised. Yeah. And I think they were that it got overturned. And then obviously it's. So then he's in the game, so right? So let's, gonna, let's, let's go. Yeah. It's The decision's made. It's done. And therefore it uh, it shouldn't have been. It was overturned. Yeah. We get to the point where he's in the game. Christian Roldan, U.S. International. Um, the understudy of Ozzy Alonzo. Uh-huh. Maybe Ozzy taught him too well when it came to shooting practice from 27 out because boy, oh boy. It's a good strike, yeah. You're a center forward who scored a lot of goals in your day. Well, we. I that's think, a good. That's about well, as good as you've seen in a while, huh? Well, we had a couple of mistakes building up to it as well, didn't we? You know, we. I think I tries. To, does he try and dribble it out? Well, so it? Remind, and then yeah, Roma- I, I loses it in and coverage. And then Romain actually goes to pinch it. It looks like he he, he gets. We, we thought he was going to get something on it, and he doesn't. Almost like he tried to keep possession. Yeah, of it. exactly. And then uh, obviously we we clear the first one, but it's it's a great strike. I, I still think we could have got out to the ball a little bit quicker. And um, but he's he's caught it sweet as a nut, and he's hit through it, and he's hit across it, so it's gone away from Vito. All the while, it's left his foot; it's going away from Vito. So it was a good strike. We have to be. Uh, and then they had we've got a, they had at the end when they brought the the big guys on. Romain Romain Torren, uh, Torres comes on. Will Bruin, you know Abdul Salam, six foot four, six foot five. Chad Marshall, big they boys had, on those services. Had, yeah, exactly. And they they post with a couple of them, and you know it was. Uh, Overall, though, but I think the good thing, I thought football was the winner because I think it's one of the best games that we've been involved in for a long time in terms of the quality of the game. And it really was. It was It was very pleasing on the eye. Uh, you would have thought it was a much more high scoring of a match with just how on the edge of the seat you were. And it really felt in the last 10, 15 minutes, it could have gone either way. And to be fair, we've gone, what, about 15 minutes into the show now. And we haven't mentioned the fact that this was the Ozzy Alonso matchup against Seattle Sounders for mm. the very first time. A player that's played for 10 years for Seattle, arguably garnered the status as the greatest of all time to play defensive mid in MLS. He plays against Seattle for the first time. I'll start with asking you kind of just a broad question of your soccer career of 40 some odd years overall. Have you ever seen an instance where a player played so long for one team, 10 years play against them? After that ten-year period, because I struggled to think about yeah. this when I thought there's, of it today. Probably a few in England, but you know, he, he was he was up for the game, was he? Point being, Before, it's, it's a yeah. handful of times. Yeah. So you get this this you can't coach that. How do you prepare a player for that? Because it's an anom- it's an anomaly. Yeah, and I think it you, you it it comes down to the personality of the individual. The one thing about Aussie all week was this is another game for me. Yeah, it's going to be special because of who it is. You know that this guy has been synonymous with that club, made made that number six his position his own. Probably goes down in as one of the great sounders of all time. He oh, will. Do. I mean, and and a and a team that has a laundry list of greats yeah. to that. So you know, but but before the game, all he's talking about is forget all that nonsense about me. This is a game. This is Minnesota United against Seattle Sounders, and we got to win the game. Let's go and win the game. Don't worry about me. Don't think about me. And I thought for, he was fantastic considering the build-up that he'd had. You know, I know he was getting fed up with everybody asking him about the, before the game. You know, it's, It was a little bit like we had it the first week before we opened the stadium. He just wanted to get the game on and win the game. 
And unfortunately, we couldn't do that. But he can be well pleased with his performance. I want to throw out a couple of numbers to you as we talk about Ozzy Alonso versus Seattle this week. This thanks to at Jason Eno 10, great follower, analytics, analytics of the game. And Ozzy Alonso's stats, Minnesota versus Seattle. 65 touches, 49 of 50 passing for 98%. 3 of 3 on long balls, 2 chances created, 1 shot, 2 of 3 dribbles, 9 of 14 duels, 6 recoveries, 4 tackles, 2 interceptions. In a game of that magnitude, yeah. to somebody personally, because make no mistake about it, he loves Seattle. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was a great, how can you not love it? He spent a decade there, he's beloved there. But that's par for the course. If he, that was in golf, that's par for the course for Ozzy. I, we, he expects himself to be like that every game. And we do now. We've only had him, what, a few months? Yeah. 10 games now. And we think that every time that he plays, he's going to be at that level. It's, you know, he's he's been, he's been, as I say, he's probably been the best in his position within this league for the last eight or nine years. It's absolutely remarkable when you start to break down just the, the, the numbers of it, an emotional type game. The, the amount of composure he had in the moment was impressive to me. I remember thinking at one point about the 37th minute, the ball got played back to him. Team had been under a little bit of pressure, and he's the one that put his foot on the ball. And do you remember he made yeah. a little gesture for calm like down. everyone to calm down? Yeah. Now he's, I'm thinking of all the people on the yeah. field. Yeah. You're the one telling everybody <laughs> to calm down. Like it was remarkable. And, and I, I want to keep talking. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, you were going to say. The thing I was going to say, uh, uh, changing the subject a little bit, unless you want to go back to Ozzy, was I thought the atmosphere in the stadium was the best it's been since we've been at this. At, uh, the Allianz. I want to talk about that. So the atmosphere at Allianz Field was special. It was remarkable. You kind of see the astute knowledge that the fans had yeah. as the game progressed on. I want to talk about that more when we come back because I think this game deserves a little bit longer of a breakdown. So we'll go into the second segment, continuing our discussion about Minnesota United draw against Seattle Sounders last Saturday. When we come back, this is the Adrian Heath Show. I'm your host, Jamie Watson. Stick around. More to come after the break. Welcome back into the Adrian Heath Show here on Score North. I'm your host, Jamie Watson, joined in studio by a head coach of Minnesota United, Adrian Heath. Adrian, when we left off, we were talking about the matchup against Seattle Sounders, uh-huh. and you made a comment that I felt we needed to, to dive a little bit deeper in on. Yep. So we went to break, and we talked about, you made the point to bring up the atmosphere at Allianz Field, and we talked about just how special it was on the night but your thoughts on it, what does that do for you as a coach with your team? What What is that intangible that you necessarily can't control? Well, I, th- I think one of the things that you've heard me say to the players many a time, we have to keep the fans engaged in the game. You know, this isn't a one-way street where they just come and make noise. They have to see something on the field that actually encourages them. And I think that our performance, our ability to keep going forward, to get to keep the ball in the penalty area, to get opportunities, to get efforts at goal. They kept they they were in the game. Our supporters were in the game the full ninety minutes and, you know, kicking that way now to the right, to the wall, you know, that's be, that's be gonna become a, a real big 
for us moving forward, I think that that is going to be huge moving forward because the noise coming from that end of the stadium has been something the players have spoke about after the game. Can we win the toss? Can we can we kick that way the second off? Is that what you prefer to do? Is yeah. that what the players do? Yeah, I mean, yeah. is that yeah? I because this is honestly, I, I I guess the fan of me is now asking: yeah. Is that the preferred method to go towards the wall in the second half? Exactly, and get that noise and that you know that M N U F C when it's going. Oh, and, it's the best, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's it, you know I think they were, they were for me it was the best atmosphere we've had in, this, in the new stadium so you know it was uh, I think that's something now we're going to have to really try to keep working with our fan group because they do make a difference you know I th- being a supporter if people talk about you know great crowds and it kills me to say this but like Liverpool fans they know when the team need, when the team needs them and that's what we're going to have to get with our supporters. They know if it's not going well 100%, now we need to get behind the group. We need to get behind the team. We need to spur them on. We need to get them going again. And you felt a little bit of that. Yeah, I did, yeah. Well, and you made a couple of changes to try to spur your team on. You brought on Romario Albara for Ethan Finley about the 68th minute. Darwin Quintero, for the very first time in Minnesota United Colors, comes in off the bench. He plays for the final 14 minutes you didn't have the luxury of being able to play Darwin this week because of a ankle contusion last week at home against DC United. Didn't train very much throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Had to get an injection mm-hmm. in the midst of last game last week that didn't take, didn't hold him for, for longer than five or six minutes in the second half. Um, how do you go about making that decision What's to that? when to bring him in? How how healthy was he? Was that the most you could have gotten out of Darwin, basically? Well, it's never easy to make that decision when you know what Darwin can do on the field. But going into the game, I thought the group that played against uh, DC and the and the Galaxy, I think now we have got depth. You know, this is not, and I've said this before, this is not now, this team doesn't pick itself. We have, we have issues. We have, we can actually leave people out if we don't feel as though they're performing to their level. And I think that that showed that this weekend. Now, going forward, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But you know that shows you where the strength and depth is at this moment in time, that we could do that. And I wasn't worried that we were going to lose things going forward. Right. You don't have to play Darwin at 75%. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, also now Darwin knows that, hey, I've got to perform if I'm going to stay in this team. Yeah. It's a great luxury to have when, when everybody feels motivated to know. I mean, now, now back at your... I guess in your arsenal of options to choose from is Kevin Molino, is Ethan Finley, both players that were out last yeah. season for an extended period of time. And something that goes worth noting, that was the first time Ethan Finley played against the Seattle Sounders, which was the team that he tore his knee against back in April of 2018. So a little personal milestone for him overcoming that. And he's, he's starting to look sharper now. You feel like you're getting back yeah. to the old Ethan? That... Yes, exactly. And I, you know, I did say to him, like I went through the injury that he had. I did too. I know and, that one. And, and people think, well, he's fit now. He's, 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 it's going to be okay. You, you, you're not out a year, and then suddenly it comes straight back. Yeah. You, that you know that explosiveness, that real power. That's the last little bit. I just felt we saw a little bit more of that this weekend, and he'll he'll grow and he'll get better for that. Yeah, he's looking sharper and stronger yeah. for longer stretches in the game. Keep in mind, April twenty second was the one year mark for him, so yeah. he's only just hit that. Yeah. And I know we both can speak from personal experience. Yeah. It, it wasn't until at least that, even the 13, 14-month mark for me, where I felt, okay, that seems in the past. Yep. And, you you, know? and, and, and you, you even forget about it. Yeah. It's not on your mind anymore. Like it's something just, that happened yeah. at one point, yeah. not I'm just coming back from exactly. it. Yeah.
Um, so as we as we kind of close out the recap of the Seattle Sounders here with Adrian Heath on the Adrian Heath Show, Adrian, we're, we'll talk to you about the final crazy couple of minutes. Uh, you know, did you just did you just go hug both goalposts after the game? Does Vito <laughs> do that for you? Is he? What kind of ritual did he do before the game? Because there was a couple of moments where they they got a couple of headers late on in the game, Seattle, yeah. and they hit both posts. So you're thinking. Is it heart and mouth moment there, or are you well, thinking it's got to be better defensively? I thought our I thought our performance deserved that look, I really do. Um, but when you've got, I think they, we we counted they had five or six players who were six four six five. Yeah, you know, so I, it's always been there. So you 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 were short of numbers physically to match up with that, and when you've got Ladero putting balls in the box, the quality of which he does, we just spoke about Ike. It's difficult to mark. And in the end, you you run out of markers, you run out of numbers. You know, you've got Miggy standing next to somebody who's maybe six two. You know, can you get against him? Can you can you make his run difficult? Can you can you put him off by backing in? These are all the things that you tell the players. But ultimately, if you are five foot eight and you might uh, you're marking somebody who's six three, it's difficult. Can you just put your hand over their eyes? Well, just right in front yeah, of them. Just whatever. cover their eyes. Just go. But you, you can. But you back in. You make it difficult for them. You know what it's like. Sometimes yeah. you end up. You know, in a certain part when you're defending, you go, oh, my God, you look round and you, you end up with the centre-back. And you've got you've got to do something. You know, can I back in? Can I put them off? Anything. And we, we wrote a look. You know, you could, when they, they, they probably thought, yeah, we deserve something. But I thought Brian Smetzer was very fair after the game. He said, well, what did he have to say? Because I know you do this ritual where you, you get a chance to, to have the coaches over into your coach's locker room. You guys chat about the game quickly before they, they part ways. How was that conversation? Well, he was, he was very complimentary of how of our team and how far he thinks we've come on over the last year or so. Um, he thought a, a draw was a fair result because he thought we were, he said he thought we were hanging on, they were hanging on in the first half and had we got a second goal, we probably would have gone on and won the game. So, you know, it was, uh, but I, I thought that the winner was football. I thought it was a really good advert for MLS. I thought it was a terrific game of football. Yeah, I agree. I think fair fair result all the way around. I think the better football was played by Minnesota United, but anytime a team hits the post three times, you can say they should have scored, but again, they also didn't yeah. take their chances. Yeah. So football's a game that just doesn't give you something, even if you get those efforts. Well, to we hit had the a post. couple of really good chances late on as well. Yeah, Eric Miller had a good opportunity. Oh, and he's just, it's almost like you can't believe it falls to him. Yeah. with this the the time that he has in the box because you shouldn't be at the top yeah. of the six with that much time in the ball falling right yeah. to your feet, and he kind of rushes it, and you see what happens. Doesn't yeah. make clean contact on it, gets cleared away, and then Stephen Fry shades of the MLS Cup final. In 2016, when they won it, where he comes flying out and just gets his fingertip yeah. to it. You remember what you say yeah. I'm talking about in the final? It's yeah. it's kind of an Top iconic MLS it, save. It? Yeah, I think it was on a Josie, Josie header. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what no, I mean? It was, I, Not very know, often two center forwards talk about how great a save it, was. Yeah. No, but he, you know, it's, uh, at the end of the day, I thought the result the result was fair. Yeah, so there we go. So Minnesota United now moves to 4-3-3 three, and three on the year. That's a big result, keeping them above the playoff line. 15 points through the first 10 games, sitting in sixth place now. Don't look now. You have a team called San Jose Earthquake sitting just behind you. Yeah. Who would have thought we'd have said that well, I a think, month ago? And, and hey, and plus Timbers. Yeah, and the Timbers, Timbers as well. have just won three, on, three out of three on the road. So sitting they, on they, 10 points so now, they, nine games played, all on the road. So they've started to find their feet now and find their form. I thought another note from the weekend, Valeri was 70 goals, 70 assists. Yeah. That's a DP. He's been here seven years. Uh-huh. And yeah. Land, former Landon Donovan, MLS MVP. Yeah. I think it's uh, 
he, he might go down as one of the be- best DPs of the last 10 years without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but they, they come into form, you know, end. big result for Chicago, you know, going to LAFC and holding out for a, a, a draw there. That's never easy playing that at that new stadium of theirs. You know, I think Toronto are going down to Orlando and winning 2-0, so it's starting to take shape. I said to you, when we get to the stage where we've played equal number of home and away games, which we'll have an idea where we are. And I think we, we are where, we, where I thought we were going to be. Well, sitting right now, six games played on the road, only four at home. you got another road game coming up against Chicago. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that uh, next segment because i got a fun little stat I want to throw your way that I don't know if you've heard yet or not, but I think this is a really good one. Uh, we'll save that for the next segment as we break down the matchup against the Chicago Fire at the weekend. Um Let's talk a little bit more kind of global game. Yep. And I have a feeling you might like this conversation simply because it paints your former biggest rival in a big shadow of doubt of almost reaching the pinnacle of the Premier League. Today, I said this as a Liverpool supporter the Premier League gets decided today mm-hmm. as Manchester City played host to Leicester, to Leicester, <laughs> in a big matchup. Yeah, Leicester. <laughs> Good old Ted Lasso. I can't, I mean, Jonathan, I mean, I cannot say Leicester now every time I see it from the Jason Leicester. skit yeah. with NBC Sports Network. I mean, that was, was one of the greatest YouTube. Yeah, YouTube it if you've got five yeah. minutes and then give yourself another five minutes to keel over laughing. Yeah. It's great. So Leicester has the big task of going into City, and as Manchester City sits two points back from Liverpool, mm. they essentially have to win today to keep pace. They go one point clear of Liverpool, and then on the last day of the season, much like in MLS, there is all kickoffs at the same time. Yep. So there's no figuring out what results we need. If we both tie, hey, it's good for us. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, don't play, get a goal, yeah. we're all good here. So the matches will all kick off, but... Manchester City will play against mighty, mighty Brighton on the last day. But Brighton, obviously, now they're But Brighton, what defense are you going to get for Brighton? Well, what defense at Arsenal this weekend? Well, they did tie, was a 1-1 against Arsenal. And by the way, had two or three really good efforts. One thing about Arsenal this year, they've been really good at home. So you love the fact that Manchester City, one of your former teams, has now leapfrogged Liverpool by one point. Yep. Everybody has one game left to play. Yeah, and I, if, I would be very surprised now that if City don't go on and, and win the game, but I think that Brighton will be sterner opposition than people think. And Liverpool, and I also Wolves. think that Wolves will be that game will not be a gimme for Liverpool, especially no Firmino tomorrow night, no Mo Salah. So they're out. They're out for the the, the second leg. Champions um, League semi final tomorrow. They're yep. both out. So three zero down as well. Are they going to recover in time for the weekend? I'm not so sure, but hey. It's been an incredible year. Liverpool are gonna may get ninety seven points and not win it and not win win the title. That's incredible. They've it. lost one game all season. Yeah, but hey, it shows you you know the city. And it was it, for me, it was apt that uh, Vincent Company scored the goal. The all right, let's just talk about it because no, it's, it's one me, of the greatest goals ever scored as far as magnitude of yeah. what it could mean in the Premier League. Seventieth minute, Vincent Company. Captain of Man City puts his foot on the ball from 25 yards out. But he's been there 10 years, I think, Vincent, now. Yeah. And, you know, I do know him reasonably well. He's an incredible guy. Um, is now sort of will go down in folklore 
You know, he's been the captain while they've won these titles in the last few years. So he's uh, he's been a great servant for the club. And I thought it was quite fitting that he was the guy who actually, when they needed something, he was the one who came through. It would take some something wild on decision day in MLS or in decision day in MLS decision day in the Premier League for there to be a change of the guard at the top of the table. Mm. It would take something spectacular, something that would be a storybook ending, if you will, for Liverpool to leap back over. So, as a former but, Everton legend, you obviously are probably okay yeah, with that. But obviously, I've got a lot of friends who were who were red, so uh, I'll be delighted to have a one up on them. <laughs> No, I mean, that's when you know you're friends you know, with somebody when you're actually really happy with misery for them, no, for your friends. Uh, it, they, they'll, they'll, you know, they can find themselves really hard done by this year if they get 97 points and is it a plus goal difference of 68 or something and and they they don't win the league. Um, it shows you how good City have been again. I think Pep was on about it today. They they've they've scored up. They've got 195 points or something in the last two years. That's it. That's all. Yeah. No. Oh, that's pretty uh, good. But I think if you're going to talk about the Premier League, you've got to talk about Manchester United as well. Because at the at the weekend, you know, going to Huddersfield and everybody thought that was going to be, yeah, they'll they'll win that game. But I think it just shows you the sort of mess that Manchester United are in at this moment in time. Sixth place right now they, behind Arsenal, yeah. and you you know they didn't really deserve to win at Huddersfield, and uh, I can't remember. I didn't think many people wait, would wait, say I'm that. sorry. What was that? You yeah. sounded like you said yeah. Manchester United shouldn't have won yeah. at Huddersfield. Yeah, it's a so it was, statement. yeah, you know, so they've, you know, and, and the the crazy thing is as well, if you look at Chelsea, Chelsea have now qualified for the Champions League and have a chance of make going to the yeah, Europa Cup final. So and everybody's and, been saying Sarri's got to get a sack. He's been, you know, he might do a double, and he might he might win two trophies. Well, I say get, one I say trophy. a double of qualifying for Champions League and winning the Europa. And by League. the way, he was in the final of the Carabao Cup as well. Yeah, which, which they lost on penalties. So, you know. <laughs> Standards are high there, funny, Chelsea. Funny, yeah, funny yeah, world, yeah. isn't it, for you managers, huh? Yeah. I don't envy that. Um, something else we talked about, if we're going to talk about championships, we haven't talked about it since it happened. But on Wednesday, May 1st, the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League final was played. Between who was it, again? Before the semifinal, when there was one lowly MLS team in Sporting Kansas City, you quite rightly predicted that it might be an all-Monterey final between Monterey and Tigres, and that's exactly what happened. We got a incredible final. 1-0 was the first leg that it, Monterey won. In Tigres. At Tigres. Yeah. So now it's 1-0 going into the final. They go back to Estadio BBVA Bancomer in Monterey with the beautiful picturesque backdrop in the mountains, and you think, surely they've got this, right? They score a second goal early on, or first goal in the game, yeah. second goal overall. And then in the 85th minute, Jonathan Harrison and you were telling me about this amazing goal that you had seen. I had to see it because I didn't watch it live. It's a jaw-dropping finish yeah. from Geniac. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah. So it but makes it 2-1. It makes it 2-1. And you're watching this game glued to the TV. No, it makes it 1-1 one, one, one on the night, obviously. 1-1 one, one on the night. Sorry, getting ahead of myself here. 2-1 aggregate. So then it turns around that if they score again, they could win the game on, a, yeah, on away goals. Because they so, would have two goals there, and yeah. it would be 2-2 two, two overall. But yeah, exactly. So for the final five minutes plus stoppage time. Oh, yeah. It was all hands on deck for Monterey. Trust me. It was uh, like literally. But the atmosphere in the stadium was incredible. I think it shows... Why, how far we've still got to go? Because the final, the quality of the final was incredible. Well, I'll ask you this last question before we head to break here. How many years will it be until an MLS team wins the CONCACAF Champions League? I thought 
Toronto were going to win it last year when they made it to the final yes. and lost on penalties. Yeah, but they were they were quality. That was when people were talking about oh Toronto, the best MLS team ever. 2017 Toronto team had, playing yeah. early on in 2018. Yeah, but then, that was when you know obviously little Giovinco was killing it and Josie was fit and healthy and Michael. So that was probably a really good opportunity then. But that final was for me it was a little eye opener of how far we've got to go to be consistently taking them teams on still more investment for the for the MLS clubs but in, at the end of the day we are getting closer we're getting a lot closer but it, that final the quality was exceptional I was going to say I think the, the transfer fee for Andre Pierre and Gignac was more than what most budgets are for teams so I think I think Monterrey are the most expensive assembled South American North American team ever wow so that gives you an like idea 90 million is that right yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> no big deal. I think oh, okay. they said that if they were if they were in MLS, they would have fifteen DPS. Yeah, they'd something. have. I think it was thirteen DPS and then eleven, or then I think four or five TAM players. Yeah, so they'd have more than a full 18s worth of. You better start crunching some numbers, Adrian. <laughs> figure out how you can make that happen here for Minnesota United, right? I so didn't we tell can be Bill playing. that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you have that conversation, not me. Yeah. I'll let you actually do that in this break <laughs> because we're headed to break right now. We've got the third and final segment of tonight's Adrian Heath show. We are going to preview the matchup against Chicago Fire. When we return, Jonathan Harrison's the producer. Adrian Heath is a star. I'm your host, Jamie Watson. This is the Adrian Heath show on Score North. Here we go. One final segment tonight on the Adrian Heath Show on Score North. We are in the midst of a good one. We were talking Seattle Sounders. First segment carried over into the second one. We dove deeper into the Francisco Calvo trade. Talking a little bit of English Premier League action that happened earlier today. CONCACAF Champions League final that was played last week. And now we start to shift our focus to the weekend. We start to head towards a matchup at SeatGeek Stadium in Bridgeview against the Chicago Fire this weekend. It is a matchup in which Minnesota United will think fondly of to their one and only trip to SeatGeek mm-hmm. Stadium as Minnesota United pulled off their first ever road win at Chicago back in 2017. So, Adrian, a little bit different team from that day. Apples to oranges comparison. Let's go off basically this year from what you've seen from Chicago, currently sitting 10th place in the East, on 10 points through 10 games, 2, 4, and 4 on the season. What have you made of Chicago Fire? Well, they've slowly started to change the the way that they play. They've obviously had, at some stage, they've had Schweinsteiger playing centre-back. Now they're playing him in there with our friend Dax yeah. in the midfield, and they bought Nick, Nico Gaetan in, the, the Argentinian, who was a very, very good player. So now three in the middle. There so now they've gone like the four-two-three-one. That's what they've done the last few games. So they've got good pieces going forward. Katai's doing well. Nikolic always looks as though he's got a goal in him. CJ Sapong, big and athletic and strong on the wide areas. They, they their results actually have surprised me because I thought that when I watched them earlier on in the season, um, they I'm trying to think who it was they beat at home, and I thought. This team's a lot better than it was before. And um, so, hey, we know what to expect. They're very good in the middle of the park. They've got good players, experience, really good possession players. And now they've got a little bit more of a threat up front. So, you know, it's going to be a difficult game for us. Were you thinking about the 1-0 win on March 30th against the New York Red Bulls? Was prob- that the one yes, you were thinking? Yes, it was, yeah. And, yeah. They, and they deserved the win on the day. It could have been a lot more than that. 
you know. So they've they, they've changed the way they play a little bit, but you know they've got quality in a lot of areas. Oh, now they've got uh, Francisco Calvo in yep. there as well. So that'll be interesting to see whether they play him. They'll in, have another game as well before yours, by the way. They midweek, play on Wednesday, yeah. They play midweek game against New England Revolution at home as well. So interesting to think, uh, you know, a team that's on short rest, quick turnaround a couple nights later, but. You uh, you think you'll be seeing Francisco in the lineup come Saturday? Well, it'd be interesting because they they played obviously at the at the weekend and got a really good uh, tie in uh, at LAFC who've been flying at home, so that's a good result for them. Whether they keep the same team this week, maybe there'll be changes. They'll try and freshen it up because three games in a week and the travel. So we'll w- wait and see. I think Francisco came on, didn't he? Yeah, in the last sixty-eighth minute or something, something like that. I think seventy-eighth yeah. minute. I think he yeah. came on for the last twelve minutes or something. But yeah, so that'll be interesting. And uh, obviously, we'll we'll know plenty about Francisco, and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, guy, you know well, guy, you know how to attack and get out if he is on the field. Um, and try to try to go at him. So it's interesting. You brought up Dax playing in the midfield. We'll talk a little bit about him because he is a good friend of ours. He's got a new different dynamic to it. A new dad mm. welcomed in his son. And by the way, I kid you not, guys, this is foreshadowing because in a minute you'll hear this name again. He named his son Callum. Callum McCarty. And so the first thing he did whenever I heard that was I took a picture. I was sitting right next to Callum when I first found out. Congratulate a baby. And I took a picture and I said... Hey, Dax, here's the man that you named your son after, your firstborn after, Callum, and he approves it. Callum's giving it a big, big old thumbs up yeah. and approval of the name. So it'll be good to see him. He's a great player. Though, I, isn't think he? The, I think the, the interesting thing for me about Dax, and you played with him a long time ago, is that he's got an infectious personality on the field. And I think he's developed into being one of the best midfield players there is now, central midfield players in the league. I don't think it's any secret. People know that we we tried to tried to buy him in the past. You know, even when I was in Orlando, but uh, he's developed into a really good um, continuity player. Knows what his role is. Knows what he's good at, which is a big thing in football. Doesn't try and complicate his game. And he's developed into a really good central midfield player. I think you start to think of the defensive midfielders that played in this league. Obviously, we mentioned Ozzy Alonso. Kyle Beckerman maybe comes into the conversation, yeah. defensive midfielder, but then Dax McCarty for me is right in there. And yeah. then I I struggle to think offhand who maybe is in that defensive midfielder conversation that is up there. I mean, there's those three right there, but yeah, you know, there's a little bit of a gap in there afterwards of, of players in MLS. So it yeah. speaks a lot to what they have at their disposal in the midfield now, and also a guy you know that could be right next to him that's won a World Cup and Bastian Schweinsteiger. So. Yeah, so, they, so they've got experience in there. Now they bought Gaetan, who's given them a little bit of creativity, gets in that little pocket in behind your midfield, tries to link up well. So, hey, that little midfield triangle against our three, it's going to be an interesting battle. Well, and you'll be able to hear that. At 6.30, coverage starts Saturday night, May 11th. Minnesota United will take on... They will take on Chicago Fire at SeatGeek Stadium. I was going to say that backwards, but I didn't. You'll be able to catch that, too, on Fox Sports North as well. It'll be a big-time matchup. You talked about a little bit of creativity. Mm-hmm. Well, this week we had a little bit of creativity from play-by-play commentator Callum Williams. As he got creative, calling the goal, Icopara scored a, off of a set piece from Jan Gregush in the 26th minute against Seattle Sounders. So, as always, Adrian, we are going to ask you on a scale of 1 to 10 – to give us what you give Callum Williams' goal call in everyone's favorite segment, rate Cal's call. Gregish with a ball in. Oh, power rising and scoring! Forced home by the formidable head of Ico Para. 
Yo, forced in, forced in by the formidable head of Ike Opara. I, I wonder if Ike knows he's got a formidable head. Hey, I think Cal's meant that in like the nicest possible <laughs> way you could say to somebody, hey, you have a formidable head. <laughs> yeah, I was just glad that he got on to the end of it. Anyway, um, I'm going to give that a six and a half. Six and a half? Yeah. I expect more from Cal. I'm, I'm, I'm upping you know, my expectancy on him. Hey, oh, hey, look, high standard. Yeah, for the Englishman, he did it himself. He set the high standard. If he was bad, that might have been a ten, because he's great. That's a six and a half. So what are you giving him? I'm with you, yeah. and I think you might be. I think you might be slightly higher than me this week. Ooh, I oh. give it a a six point two. Now the the real thing is if if we're able to clip the goal call in back about five seconds prior when there's a familiar voice that predicts you got to put this ball in, put it right on top of the six you know, to the near post. Then we start to go, wait a minute. The score gets up the little bit. Always the one for self-promotion. I was going to, so it's about you. No, you just assumed it was me. It could have been Kendra D. St. Aubin. I'm just saying. It could have been anybody else on the broadcast, but safe to assume if it was probably a bit, uh, a bit spot on. Maybe, maybe it was me. I don't know. But if you had that in, then I'm thinking, geez, conservatively a 9-2. I give Callum a Six and a half, did I? Yeah. I'll give you a five. Oh, great. Perfect. Well, you know what? You don't have to deal with this 50% performance next week because I will not be here next week. You will be in the good, safe hands of our producer, Jonathan Harrison. You asked for it when he hosted a couple of weeks ago. You are getting your wishes again. Jonathan, you're back in the hot seat. You excited for it? Yeah. Really excited. Ratings sound like more, it. You sound I'll have like a it. There bit we go. More prep time hey. this time, so yeah, hey. I'm ready to go. Ratings will be up again next week. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, you're not wrong. And speaking of which, we want to say thank you so much to you, the listener at home. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every week, catching this on the podcast here on Score North. We appreciate it, Jonathan. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate thank you, it, sir. Adrian, as always, thank you very much. Enjoyed it as ever, and I did as well, guys. It is an absolute treat to be in your ears each and every week. Stick around. Next week, we are back. Same time, same place next week, right here on Score North.